g'day guys, welcome, g'day ladies, welcome to another Guitar Wank Podcast. I am your host, Troy McCubbin. Thank you for joining us for another Guitar Wank Podcast. This is number 71. It's amazing that I can count this high, but yeah, we're getting up there. This is a continuation from last week with Mr. Johnny Sir. Uh, great bloke and really appreciate John's time with us. We had a great time, and I keep saying the same thing, but I love meeting these guys and talking to them and, and getting their perspective and everything. And, um, you know, it just gets more interesting, as uh, as you see, we'll see in this podcast. So, again, big thanks to John, and I think we need to thank John's wife. Um, we definitely need to say a big thanks to her, because I think without her, maybe John wouldn't have focused on uh, electronics and amplifiers and all that stuff uh, as much as he did. And you'll learn more about that and why I'm saying that in this podcast. But thanks to the missus. Mrs. Sir, thank you so much, love. <laughs> We're glad uh, you uh, you kept John in, in line. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks to our sponsors, uh, my guitar, fuck, what are my sponsors? What are our sponsors? Uh, MyMusicMasterclass.com, Wireworld Pro Audio Cables, Dear Dario, uh, Strings, Jimmy Dunlop Picks. What else we got? Um, I can't think of anything else. I've just gone mentally. Exotic Pedals, Sir, Guitar and Ants. Oh, my God, I nearly forgot the man we're talking to. Uh, but anyway, a big thanks to all those people, all the people writing in uh, and the emails and everything. Thank you so much and all the support. You people out there in uh, podcast world, spread the word. We're trying to build up our following, obviously, and uh, we, you know, we're getting these great people on the show, these great guests. We, we're trying to get a lot more. There's a rumor around that we might have someone from Fender coming on, which would uh, which would be badass. That'd be great. Uh, I'll try and track down Bogner as soon as he gets back from his wherever he is. He's somewhere in the world. I don't know. Could I track him down? Um, yeah. So anyway, lots of people to talk to. And uh, if you remember, if you want a T-shirt or a mug, Father's Day is coming up, or is Mother's Day? I always get confused. Well, your mum probably doesn't want a guitar wank t-shirt but she probably would love a mug so uh if you have any sort of decency you would buy your mum a guitar wank mug mug <laughs> so go to the website and uh you can donate there we have a donations and also you can buy a t-shirt or a mug and uh yeah keep the emails coming keep spreading the word let's get into it this is pretty much exactly where we left off from last week with john and uh yeah enjoy and of course uh Keep guitar wanking. All right, let's get into it. Mr. Johnny Sir, Scotty Henderson and Bruce Foreman, what do we have in store for the listeners this week? Oh, John, I'm loving the Kelly amp too, the Jim Kelly. It's a, it's a, it's a mighty amp, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, John. Thank you. 
because she knows you on it. So I just well, she, you she's, she should be the first one to tell you that she told me, she goes, so you're going to wait for me? And I was like, yeah, of course. And you stay faithful? Yeah, of course. Good, because I come across the border and... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, had good things about Colombian yeah, women. Yeah. So, oh, they're, they're 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 great women. Just don't cross them. Don't yeah, don't fuck. Don't them. cross them. These you don't get it. There's no chances. And so, uh, um, but I had a lot of time to kill, and that's really when I kind of studied all my electronics. It just kept myself busy. And uh, but anyway, so Bradshaw took all these orders, and I I basically moved out there to California and. I worked with Bob for, I think, two or three years. I, I did a lot of rack stuff, and that's where I met all the guys like Landau and Lukather and Van Halen. I worked on Ed, Ed Van Halen's original amp. Well, you got to stop there. Like, you, what, what was it like working with Eddie? I mean, was that a trip or what? He was, you know, the, the funny enough, he used the, he used the prototype preamp on uh, F-U-C-K. Right. And um, so I went to the studio with Bob. That's when I met him, and the one, the Marshall that I modified for Bob, I put an effects loop in it, and Lukather was using it, and I think that was basically Lukather's Marshall, and so uh, we plugged the preamp into the power amp return of the Marshall, and that's what Eddie used on F-U-C-K for all the rhythm tracks. Um, he used to probably, I think he used it like on five tunes or something like that, and um, then we took it back because we needed it to finish listening to it but he he was great you know he brought in his his original marshall and it was the amp and i was like you know you got to tell me all the stories um if you want me to help you with this thing and matt bruck was in there and matt had a uh a very close serial number to ed's original one the only thing that really wasn't there's a few changes in that amp but nothing what people think it's it's pretty much a plexi but there's like a couple tweaks and we actually i actually mimic those tweaks in an amp we call an sl68 mm -hmm. so but it you know what it just sounds like a glorious marshall it's if you don't play like i played through ed's amp and i just sound like me right. you know it's but so we went to the studio with with ed and the preamp and that's when i first met him and he used it and he was so cool. I mean, you know, he was like right there tracking. He didn't give a shit. I was in the room or anything. I was like, you want me to leave? And he goes, nah, it's fine. You know, he's sitting there, you know, and, and playing on that record with a Andy Johns, I think it was, is that his name? The well, producer? Let me ask you something. How, how does he get so much gain from basically a clean amp? Yeah, like on the old stuff? Yeah. He, he used a, well, first thing he did is he used a Variac. He used a light dimmer, which is a Variac, and he turned oh. it down to about 90 volts. He turned it down so that when you hit the G-string, he showed me. I, I said, show me how you set it up. But, you know, it's really him. He, he's not as dirty as you think. He plays a thin pick. I mean, it's just kind of weird to watch him play. It's like, how are you making that amp do that? But um, And even with, without the Variac, it still sounded just like him. And but there is a lot of gain. On the early stuff, well, that's that's what I asked him. I said, "Tell me all the the, the secrets." And he goes, yeah. "He goes, I don't fucking remember." He goes, <laughs> uh -huh. "If if 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 I knew it was going to be such a big deal, I would have wrote it down, but I didn't, and I don't remember what the <laughs> hell we're." But so because I was like, I think what it is is he used an EQ boost. He used some kind of. Uh, I'm not up on all the. There's forums out there that you can find out exactly right. what he had. Um, they got pictures of the studios and stuff, but I think it was some kind of graphic EQ, a little graphic EQ he used to boost it, and also the Echoplex, the preamp and the Echoplex boosted yeah. the front a little bit, sure. and then the amps were too loud, so we used a light dimmer to turn them down. 
So you turn them down. Dimmer. Yeah, well, it's like a variac. It's a variac. variac. Yeah, it's, it's so a variac. So what, what exactly? What, is that a variac? How does a variac, no. how does turning Close. down the voltage give you more gain? It doesn't give you more gain. It gives you more dirt because you, you got to drive you to get volume. Out well, of you're it, right? you're lowering your the thing that affects the most, the quickest, is the power section, mm -hmm. and you're lowering the headroom of the power section. So okay. so the preamp is hitting the power section harder, harder. and clipping it quicker. Got it. Got it. Um, but it really isn't as dirty as you think. I think any mm -hmm. dirt he got came from boosting the front with the whatever he used. Sure. But he, he just like he those was like, like MXR pedals with the yeah, graphic something, yeah. I, I don't think it was that it was some I can't remember just where it is kind of I think it was an thing. AC powered EQ but, but like a cheap boss thing or if something you lower the voltage on an amp and don't bias the amp for that voltage it's dangerous for the amp isn't it doesn't it kind of blow it up sooner or later uh, it's just gonna sound shitty uh-huh but won't it blow up won't it make no, the tubes burn out faster not really because the buy when you very act the whole amp the buy everything is moving. So mm -hmm. some people like to say, well, it self-biases. But like on the SL68, what we've got is, is we've got a, uh, I put taps on the transformer. Mm -hmm. So when you hit low power, it automatically kicks to that exact setting where he put his, mm -hmm. but it also rebiases the amp at the same time. And also lowering the heater voltage a little bit also changes the way the tube sound a little bit mm -hmm. too. But I'm telling you, if you played through his amp, you would go, it's just a nice yeah, it's plexi. In the hands, of it's course. In the hands. It's, it's, it's in the hands. it really. I mean, he. Yeah. I watched him play a Steinberger, you know, through our preamp. And if and if I close and, and I picked it up later and had rusty strings and the action was really high. If I close my eyes, I'd have no idea he wasn't playing one of his normal guitars. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, I remember listening to Land a cut on Landau's live record, and I, I you know, almost ninety percent of the time when I see Mike play, he's playing a Strat. So I just assume he's playing a Strat. So I listened to this tune. So I think it's the first tune on his newest live album from a while ago, the one with Kinsey on it. And he's playing this song, Worried Life Blues. I think it's a Robin Ford tune. And I thought it was a Strat, and it turns out it's a Les Paul. <laughs> but it's just because Mike's sound is... It just sounds like Mike, you know, and I just assume, oh, well, that's Mike playing his Strat, and it's a Les Paul, and I would have never even known. You, you know what? Somebody, I, I saw the gear list, and I go, shit, he's playing a Les Paul on this tune? I thought it was a Strat. Here, here's what you should do is uh, Pete Thorin did a demo for the SL68. And Pete, mm -hmm. now Pete, Pete's heard a lot of the original tracks, and he's convinced, I think, that he used uh, a couple JBLs in the cabinet. And he's, oh, he's, Eddie, you talking yeah, about? Yeah, uh -huh. two JBLs and two Greenbacks or something. Mm -hmm. But he said it, the, the two tracks are, are distinctly different, and it's all about high-end. But listen, And also, I think he used a Super Distortion pickup, mm -hmm. you know, a DeMarzi or something like that. And if you... And if you Pete's got a demo where he, he pretty much nails that tone, mm -hmm. and he's really not doing anything but diming the amp. It, yeah. it, that's the other thing that Ed did, is he just, he just rolled his finger across the amp. Mm. You mean pushes everything to 10? Everything to 10. Just everything to 10. Wow. And so it's a it's more than likely a really high output pickup. It is. Oh, yeah, the super distortion, sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, now the, his guitar, though, when I saw it, uh, actually one of the coils was broken, which really freaked me out. It was almost like a single coil. Mm -hmm. You know, they ever catch a string underneath the humbucker and it shorts it out? Yeah, sure. That's what that's times. that's what he had done, and it damaged the pickup. And I couldn't mm -hmm. get a reading out of the pickup. Yeah, you know, your pickup's done that when your when your tone control works like a volume. But, oh wow! So, um, sorry to change the subject, but now you were working. <laughs> you were working with Bob. 
Then you worked at Fender. So well, what made you decide to go to Fender? Did you, somebody you knew there just offered you a gig and you took it? Well, I, I had met John Page in New York when he came to interview Jay Black. and Jay Who, Who's John Page? John Page was the uh, manager of the custom shop. Oh, okay. he, he started the custom shop. Uh-huh. And he was also, I think he worked in R&D before the custom shop, uh-huh. and a uh, great guy, and uh, he's got his own thing, Page Guitars now, because he's left Fender too. But he, um, I met him when he came out to interview Jay Black. Jay Black used to work with Roger Sadowski, and Jay Black and I were friends. Actually, funny enough, a lot of, when Rudy would have me building guitars, sometimes he would take the repairs and give them to Sadowski, and Jay Black would do the, the work. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, this is a funny side story, but... <laughs> Jay is really honest, and he goes, yeah, he goes, I had this problem the other day. Um, a guy, so Rudy would, like, a guy would go and go, yeah, I want John to do this fret job. And Rudy would go, yo, okay, you know. But I was busy building guitars because that's where the money was. And so Rudy would let Jay do it at Sadowski's and then take the guitar back and give it to the guy. Guy goes over to Jay at Sadowski's and goes, yeah, um, I, I had John do this fret job, and I'm really not happy with it. Could you refret it? And Jay goes, I looked at the guitar, and he goes, shit, I did this. <laughs> but I, I met uh, John Page then, and um, when I was at Bradshaw's, I was just kind of frustrated because um, I think I started getting interested in building amps and electronics because I thought it would be easier because guitar players, as far as their guitars, you know, they were nuts, you know. That everybody would want stupid low action and no buzzing. They would just want the impossible, mm-hmm. or you know, they'd they'd blame their tone on their instrument. And I thought, well, you know, amplifiers a little more cut and dry. It's a toaster. You know, you get the parts right. It's going to be the same every time. But instruments are so organic. You know, everyone's a little different. It doesn't matter if it's the same wood. You, obviously, you know that. I build you three guitars and you pick one. <laughs> but so it. Um, I thought it would be a, an easy thing, and it and it really was just as much of a pain in the ass as anything else. And sure. I had a new baby. Oh, we were married then, you know. Of course, I finally got my wife in the country, and <laughs> and we we went to California, and I had Kevin, and I needed more money. It's just I wasn't making shit at Bradshaw's, and it's it was tough. And my wife worked at a clothing. I think she worked at like Bullocks or I don't know one of the clothing kind of places, and. Um, so I needed more money, and I wanted security. And so Jay Black actually convinced me. He goes, you know, uh, we could use another builder here at the custom shop, and they'd love to have you. And um, so they hired me as a senior master builder. And it's just, uh, I started out building some guitars at Bradshaw's. I started doing some Sir Customs again. Mm-hmm. And I, I did some work for Steve Stevens because I knew him from New York. And, mm-hmm. and then uh, I was looking for security. And... Uh, <clears throat> So I got it by Excuse going me, there. Which one do I drink? <laughs> I don't know which one. Do I drink. That's the best one, right? Here, is that the good one? That, but that's right. not that's not girly liquor. Like that's you know. all right. I'm okay. I, I, I'm I'm I manned up from last week. Just okay. just sip it. Yeah. So 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 um. No ice. What was it like? No, I got to have ice. No, what, you can't put ice in that. Not that much. Not that much. Put one oh, cube. Okay. One cube. Is not the whole. Christ, you fucking this is power. It's single malt, man. Don't, you don't guys go. are such control freaks. All right. <laughs> so, oh, it takes one to know one. <laughs> what? So who, what? Who said what? <laughs> so, and how long did you stay at Fender? Uh, you know, I guess it was probably about three years. Was it that long? Yeah. That's when you built me my first 
yeah guitar because you know I, I i wanted a i was playing ibanez guitar, and it wasn't an ibanez and i hate it when people say i played ibanez guitars because i never played an ibanez guitar in my life it was just a guitar made by a guy who built me the kind of guitar that I wanted, and they put Ibanez on the headstock. It was about as far from Ibanez as you could possibly get. It was nothing like an Ibanez guitar. Was that purple? It was purple. It was, you know, that guy Mace Bailey, you know, Mace. Or did, did you ever know him? I, 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 was he a builder at Ibanez? He was a builder in I, Santa I think Monica. I might have talked to him. Yeah, he was a friend of John Carruthers. <clears throat> and, and, and Mace was a pretty good builder. And, I mean, that Ibanez, it had a light alder body, and it it wasn't a real strat So was shape. it an Ibanez neck that he got? No, it was... He made the whole thing from scratch. Well, then why did he put Ibanez on this? Because I was with the Ibanez company. Oh. And and <clears throat> so they... They had so a custom shop. They had a custom shop. And they wanted me and Willis... And Willis still plays an Ibanez bass because they made him a good instrument because it's really a great bass. But me... Um, and they made me a great instrument too, but the problem is, is that the instruments that they make on the market are nothing like the guitar player. They have Floyd Rose Bridge on them and really hot pickups, and it's like the Joe Satriani, Steve Vai kind of thing that they do, which is so not me. You know, I wanted more of a vintage sound. So they built me this guitar, and they said, well for all practical purposes, you're an Ibanez guy now because your guitar says Ibanez on it, even though it's nothing like the guitars that they make, that they sell at Guitar Center. Okay. And then and then finally, when I left Ibanez, it was because I wanted them to make that guitar and actually mark it because I thought, there must be guys out there that want vintage guitars that are easy to play because that's always been my thing. I want a vintage guitar, but I don't want to deal with how hard vintage guitars are to play because the neck is really round and every time you that's why i changed my first neck with benedetto yeah yeah it just you know i just want a a guitar that sounds like a vintage guitar but that's easy to play and that ibanez was for all practical purposes that you know john may be a much better one but anyway so how did you guys meet I met him when I went. I was Bradshaw's. I was a Bradshaw guy. You know, I had a Bradshaw rack and a Bradshaw switcher. Yeah. And everything, and I go over to Bradshaw's one day, and there's John with his little bench there. I I used to do a lot of the wiring too, so Mm -hmm. Bob would pay me to wire racks, and then then I would also work on the amps. So he built me a guitar at Fender, which kind of blew away the the Ibanez. It was just so much better sounding because it was a the body was much bigger because it was a real. Stratocaster body, yep, not yep. like a, I think the Ibanez was quite a bit smaller. Than, I barely than nearly as much. I wood. barely remember it. Did you Did yeah. you enjoy working at Fender? Was Was that Was that cool working there, or did it lose its <laughs> shine pretty quick? Well, I left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you also started your own business, uh, so, yeah. which was scary as all shit. Was it? Was that? Yeah. Was that the deal? You were like, you know what? Fuck this! I'm going to go build my own shit. Yeah, you know it. it I, I suppose they can't do anything to me now. Um, the, <laughs> it, to me, it was it wasn't what I thought it was. Um, I thought I'd be building guitars from scratch, and in order to do that, I really had to to assert myself and insist that because you know I, as, I was a senior master builder. The only other senior master builder was Jay Black, the guy who talked me into going there. Yeah, and Jay got that designation because he had been there for such a long time and he eventually got promoted i don't i don't think a lot of people were happy that i was hired as one 
but I think that's because I knew electronics too, and I and I built Clapton's amps when I was there and things like that. So they you uh, built Clapton's amps where at but, Fender. Oh, you did. Yeah. All right. But so they that you know because I I just really wanted to do everything from scratch, you know, because I spent so much of my life as a kit builder, I I wanted to take a piece of wood and make a guitar, and and I did get to do that obviously, but. But it wasn't um, something I could afford to do every time. Like Wayman Tisdale, I built him a, a five. I built him a six-string bass and a five-string bass, and I had to build those from scratch because it just didn't exist. Yeah, you know, thirty-five-inch scale basses and stuff like that. But so that stuff was a lot of fun. But then you'd also get beat up for your numbers. You know, well, you got to build five or six guitars a month. And I used to like to paint too, so I'd go into the spray booth after hours and paint my customers' guitars. And it it got to a point where I was like envious of like someone like Tom Anderson who had a CNC. And we right. see because usually what happened at the custom shop is even if you if you didn't want to go in the back and use the pin routers and the real archaic stuff and and the the slaughter fret slaughter that I didn't really have a lot of faith in. Um, the, even the factory didn't really use the kind of CNC, the metalworking CNCs, which had more accuracy that I really wanted to use, which is what most modern builders like Anderson or Taylor Guitars, they're all using these metalworking CNCs that have extreme accuracy. So, and you know, it's funny because I used to call Tom and he used to go, so what are you doing now? And I say, well, I took a scroll saw and I had to cut out. A, I had to go home, draw all my CAD work at home, print it out on my own plotter that I bought, take the plotter paper and spray adhesive on a cardboard. And then now, now I've got a pattern. I have to cut it on a scroll saw, sand it. So I'm making a pin routing jig so that I can put a piece of wood on top of it. And then it follows the pin, follows the, the template I cut and sanded. And that's how I'm cutting my body. And Tom is like, are you freaking kidding me? Because right. don't he's they... just pressing some buttons on a C and C. Well, no, you know what? What he was—it's really not like that, though. What he was doing in my world is is harder uh -huh. because you can't you can't just a C and C is just a machine. Uh -huh. You know, it's no different than a pin router. But instead of sanding a template to try and get it to be exactly right, you draw it on a computer. Uh -huh. So you've got a much greater degree of accuracy, and it's repeatable. And you don't have tooling that wears out. You know, with pin routers in the old school, I mean, that's why fender shapes changed over the years, because tooling would deteriorate. They'd cut new piece. It wasn't the same as last year. Whoop, whoop, the pick guard doesn't fit the body anymore. I mean, the, the pick guards that they cut now are still accurate, but if you look at the body and the pick guard, they don't match. It's... But anyway, so for a couple of years, I was trying to convince them into getting CNCs for the, the custom shop, and, and I just got frustrated. And so finally, it was just like, forget it. And was that, was that a moment where you were like, I can do this better? Yeah. yeah. Well, How I, long yeah. after you left Fender until you started your own? Immediately. It was, oh, so you left Fender and then it was booms, yeah. Sir Guitars. Yeah. And how soon after you started the company did you make my guitar, my first red guitar? Well, we started the company, I think, in, pretty quick, in right? 97, I think it, we started. So I don't remember and what Tell years. everybody who your first endorser was, please. <laughs> red Beach. <laughs> <laughs> I read. I did my homework. Or maybe God it was Mike Landau. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, Scott Scott was the first person to come across. Um, I'm sure Red Beach did follow pretty quickly, but definitely it was Scott. Um, yeah. In fact, I think I talked to Scott and said, you know, just let you know I'm going to do my own thing. And he was like, okay. Well, I was there. Nobody else would have me. <laughs> I remember yeah. going to Fender and trying to get a free guitar, and they were like, what, what the fuck are you? <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of funny because even Landau, when I built him a guitar, I think I, I built him one, and I think I helped him pick out one from stock. Uh-huh. But... Um, he wanted me to make his guitar and they were like, okay, you got to pay for it because John is not the artist builder. You know, we can have the artist builder they make you one. Mike to pay for Yeah, Mike guitar? had to pay for his guitar. Jesus Christ, man. Because, Jeez, well, because they had, they had a, you probably paid for yours too, didn't you? Yeah, I paid for it. Yeah, because they, they had an artist builder. Yeah. But I, Mike is like, well, I want John to make it. And they were like, well, John's a senior master builder. You're going to have to pay for it. I definitely paid for it. Yeah. yeah. It was worth it. It was a great guitar, yeah. but then the guitar you made for me, your first guitar from Sir, was better than the Fender. Did I charge you? And they keep... No, you <laughs> gave it to me for free, goddammit. <laughs> That's I an endorsement. I, I should have made you pay for the case. <laughs> I, I had, a, I had a, 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 a dear friend of mine I haven't talked to in years, this guy named JD, who, and he teched for a lot of bands. He did Frampton, he did Billy Idol, all these people. I was... I usually dealt more with the text than the artist. Mm-hmm. And um, he always told me, he goes, one piece of advice, make them pay for something. <laughs> he goes, even if it's the case, because he goes, a lot of these bands, they actually, you know, they'll go, like, who can get the most free gear? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well. And they're usually the people that can afford it. Yeah. Is there, you know, and they're just gear whores. I know a guy, we'll mention his name, but he's got free shit from every company in the world, and he sells it when he gets in trouble. You yeah. know, and it's he does nothing for anybody, and it it ruins it all for all of the rest of us who are actually loyal to the people who help us out. You know, yeah. and um, and you know there was a time where companies were giving everybody everything, and then it, pendulum shifted where everybody had to pay for everything. Now it's kind of coming back to a weird equilibrium, but of course. Now the world has changed into yet another whole thing, which which I don't. I think it's a good time to move into that because I've got a big question for you. Which I noticed that this whole the electronic side. You know, we've lived the life of tubes and solid state and guitars and amps, and now there's such a huge preponderance of of uh, using your iPhone to download things for your pedal, you know, having amp modelers, and it's not just amp modelers of the old days of sampling one sound, but like these 3D imaging that go through the entire gain structure of amps. You know, I mean, even I know about this. Yeah. And if I know about this, but, shit, but don't don't you play a solid state amp too? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I play tubes. Um, but my point is, is like that's obviously something you're. You, you, I mean, here, if I know about it, I'm just saying, it's like a dinosaur talking to a human. I mean, I know about this this whole change in the world that's happening. And, and like, just like my car, which was great when it was in 1960 and running on this technology, and then it was great again in the 80s on that technology. My car now has a whole other, you know, there's a whole lot of things that are done different 
ways. Yeah. And and I know that that maybe the music world is just late adopting it because we don't have as much money in the game that, that like a car company or a uh, another kind of company might. The defense industries, for instance, but um, surely you must. Yeah, you're aware of, and you you're you're way more on top of than me. What is what do you see as the next step? Well, the what what's happening? I mean, comment on what's happening, and and then also visionary, you know, being the visionary of seeing what where it's all going. What do what do you see with that? I'll be dead in twenty years. I don't care. <laughs> no, it 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 actually it actually is a a, a pretty. I, I'm still a geek. I'm still a guitar geek. You know, right. I, even though I I'll be lucky if I ever play out again in my life. I mean, I'll probably never find people reliable enough to have fun with. But but I'd love to to have like a just a fun band to go out and play. But so I'm always I'm always still I'm still looking for the the tones all the time, and. Um, so I have I have all the modeling gear, and I, it's just it's it's a huge 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 distraction. I mean I think if you want to play, don't go near it. Um, but I I can hear other people play that stuff, and I think they sound great. But when I play it, I'm just I just feel like it's lifeless. Right. You know, and that, that wasn't again my question. You know, I mean, I guess, but I guess it was. I mean. It's just, I mean, it's not invading just the amp world. Well, okay. Well, you, you, there's, 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 this, this is kind of, I don't know if you're getting at this, but I think that there, there's something personal to me is that I'm more involved in tubes. Right. Now, my son, he's got the degree, and he's starting to get into DSP, but funny enough, he's played Axe Effects since he was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, since he was like, since they were out, I got him an Axe Effects, and that's all he knew his first time plugging into a tube amp, he was like, it was like a revelation. He was like, holy shit, it's so easy to get a good tone. Mm -hmm. And he's used to fighting and programming. But I think that, um, and then you've also got the distractions, you know, the electronic distractions, which I, I think is really sad. But it's, it's what companies like Fender are fighting is kids don't want to play anymore. Right, right. Oh, but you Because know, of I all mean, the electronics. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I play tubes and I play transistors or whatever solid state solid is called. State, yeah. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> no, that's it fine. That's fine. Uh, it's, I'm dating myself, but no one else will date me, so <laughs> might as well. Uh, you know, um, and I got to be honest, in certain situations, and uh, granted, granted, I'm not a guy who's looking for tone at a volume, you know, of moving air at a, at a certain level. You know, and I mean, and, um, uh, I mean, if my perfect world, the guitar would be loud enough to begin with, and I wouldn't need an amplifier. That's mm. who you're talking to. Mm. Here. But <clears throat> I mean, I play through amps. I have a great old Fender amp that I mm. love the shit out. Of. I've played a lot of great tube amps, including yours, and and I love them. Don't get me wrong. And I've also played some solid state amps that really help me out. You know, and in in certain situations, you know, for me. Acoustically, mm -hmm. I find one works better than others, you know, depending on outside, inside, boomy versus dry, um, loud drummer versus no drummer. You know, there's lots of sure. lots of things. And, of course, the one thing I can't get away from, which you've mentioned from the very beginning, is my tone. is the sound I get out of a guitar, regardless of 
yeah. before I even plug it in. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and um, and yet, you know, I mean, there are there are the things that I have had problems with Tona. I don't know how much you've listened to this, but just like I work all the time. You know, I'm literally working four gigs this weekend. You know, and I mean, so my equipment sits in the trunk of my car, and my tube amps do degrade because of the amount of um, of shock they take on LA's. Wonderful. I mean, California's wonderful infrastructure. Yeah, yeah they're, they're like light bulbs. <laughs> you know, we yeah, we, and we've got we've got speed bumps, we've got potholes, you know, and then we've also got um, uh, issues with uh, weight that yeah. I have. You know, and I mean, so I'm just talking about these things, and I mean, I'm I'm a geezer now. I'm class of '74, and you know, carrying weight around, and so these so are you're the things. 60? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm 61. Okay after tomorrow Sunday Sunday. Oh, happy birthday thank you but um, my point is it's like uh, I'm just asking you know where do you see the future of this going you know I, I gotta say honestly the best tones I've gotten have been my old Fender amp I love that thing but you know a lot of it's because I, I recognize that I'm used to it and I just lo- love that sound and a lot of it's because it's such a great sound because I know also I've got this amp which I really don't think is so great but there have been some moments musically where me and it have like achieved shit that is really you know as good a music as I've put on this earth but it's probably but I, I get the feeling and I've listened to a little bit of your music right and, and and I get the feeling that that it's it's a different world for you though than let's say a rock player who's going for like the ultimate distorted right. Marshall and, and game. I totally you know? agree with that. I'm I'm talking it's, about you're, you're you're playing music that is more about you. I mean, it's more it's more about the music and less about the tone. Well, I I I I, I mean, it's, I, 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 don't I don't mean I don't mean, I, th- I, I don't mean it unfa- that I think that's unfair. You know what I mean? It's maybe less about the tone at X decibels or at X distortion. Right. But it's very much about the tone. Well, yeah. Well, I, I, well, I guess what I so, meant... You know, I, I guess I what hate, I meant I hate is, when that... Because that comes up a lot here, and I, I'm very careful not to be insulted. You know, I mean, like a great acoustic tone has no amp at all. Right. And that's still a great fucking tone. Oh, yeah. That, and it comes from hands. I, I, and so, like, you know, through the scale, great tone exists. You know, and I can understand how the... The more you get volume out of these boxes, the more they become an important. But it's part not of the volume. I, I, I guess the, what, what I meant distortion factor. Yeah, what what I and, meant and is the, and it is a but it's not the, no no. It's what, not, what I what I mean is, what I, I mean is really that not. that what I mean is that the tone what what I'm talking about is that you're not using the the tone of the amp as part of your sound it's more your sound is coming from your fingers and from what you're playing and the instrument but i am but, but i am because ultimately the what the world hears is what's coming out of that box yeah but but you're just looking here. you're just looking for a reproduction of what you're already doing and and between all these boxes i'm going to get different reproduction right you know i am i mean Granted, when, when I, and, but, I, but, I, but I do say, no, wait a minute, it's, yeah. the more, and, and I don't use generally distortion, but I will say that the more volume I need, the more the box, the amplifier, seems to play a 
crucial, more crucial part. You know what I mean? It's like a curve. The more volume I need from it, the more, and not just the box, the amplifier, but the speakers too. I mean, all of the components that are in those boxes seem to be more crucial the more I need from them. That's my personal experience. Now, you can tell me I'm like, it's just a... I say you're half there. You know, I Because mean, the volume, I'm not saying the volume doesn't make any difference, because of course it does, but you're playing clean. Playing clean is nothing like playing distorted. And I'm That's not a saying whole that other is, completely different world. I'm still using this box. Yeah. And you're and I'm talking to a guy here who's a master who understands what But when you're talking about work. amp modeling, that has nothing to do with Well, clean, I'm I'm asking what you know. the future, you know, and how that's all going and of course the ultimate how things get better, you know. I mean, come on. We had we had. Mike I'm not we, convinced they're getting better. Oh, okay. I'm okay, not that's the question. Uh, yeah, I don't in think fact, in fact, I, I think they get. I think I think it's it's the same argument as as you and I know. Um, I can okay. My personal preference is I grew up playing rock, you know, and right. and and I I love jazz. I love Scott's records. He does and, not. He hates my records. Well, he, only, he listens to them once and throws I, them I was going to say, but my favorite <laughs> honestly, he honestly, wants honestly, to make dog blues party. Honestly, dog party. Everybody like wants time. that. Hon everybody wants that. Honestly, dog, dog party and tore down house are my favorite Scott <laughs> records. Everyone wants the Scott. Everyone wants the blues from Scott. But you know I what? Know? It, it's because it's it's because you know, I'll blame myself. I I'm not I'm not savvy enough to, and there's, it's like if, if I go hear Scott play and he plays more of the jazz thing he does, which to me, he's playing more like a horn, you know, like Scott's looking for this horn-like tone when sometimes I don't understand everything Scott's doing, but I know when it blows me away. And, and there are definitely times when I'll sit there and I'll go, holy fuck you know, what the hell was that? And that was, I can't believe he's playing so outside and inside and it just fits and he knows what he's doing. That impresses the shit out of me. Well, I don't know but, what I'm doing. But, Sorry, I fold him. But <laughs> I'm, I'm basically like, I, I'm kind of like a, a commercial geek. You know, it's like the, the bands that I like are bands that just make me feel a certain way, make sure. me feel good. good. And in fact, when I, um, the more I play guitar, the less I listen to guitar. Like, I'll listen to Peter Gabriel. I'll listen to music that just... I listen to Pink Floyd all the time, and it's not because I think Gilmore is an amazing guitar player. It's just the whole experience. But he's got a tone, the music. He's got a yeah. good tone, though. It's, it's, just, yeah, but it's just a... Fucking great tone. But yeah, he's, he's not Landau, but like what he plays is perfect for the song. Yeah, And that's, that's what I like. But I, I really think that it's like... So what I was getting at is like... Uh, one of my favorite all-time records is Trey's Hombres by, by ZZ Top. I think ZZ Top stopped at Trey's Hombres. You know, that's, to me, that's when, you know, as soon as I started getting into the programming and the, it just, it just lost that magic. But that record, that record, when you listen to Trey's Hombres on vinyl, it is glorious. And on CD, it's just, it sounds like ass. You know, so, so I don't, I don't think that, and 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 also like you know I remember even when when I was the closest I ever got to doing anything professional, we did my guitar tracks on an eight track Tascam, you know, right. in in our home studio, and this was the beginning of the digital age, and that guy Jimmy Malo was trying to he brought me into the studio when I was trying to get guitar tones in, on digital, and I'm like, 
I, I just couldn't do it. He finally even said, you know what? What you did before was fine. We're just going to fly your guitar in. And we're just going to use what you already did. Because right. the tape sounded better. And Or you ever listen to good tube stereo oh, equipment? Well, 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 first of all, First of all, you know you you know who you're talking. About. Right. So so, so you know, I mean, I'm I'm asking you as an expert. I'm not asking you I, as okay. a person with an opinion. Well, I I th <laughs> I think I think that everything's gotten really homogenized. But I think what's happening is that the music is changing to the point where it doesn't matter. It's like my son. When you meet my son, he says, "You know what? Women ruined music." And there's just there's just there's not. Well, that's another thing we're going to have to blame them on. <laughs> you know, well, well, think think back when we were kids. I mean, every band you listened to had a footprint. They had an identity. Right. They had they had a, a a sonic footprint. And the women ruined that how? Because they started with the commercialization of, I don't know. It's just things just got. So why? How can we blame this on women? Well, Help I think they're the here. ones that are buying most of that music. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to put my little two cents in here for whatever it's uh -oh. worth. The, the, the whole thing about digital amp modeling. I was listening to Albert King today in my car. He's playing through a transistor. Who knows what Yeah, kind but that's of not modeling. And he, no, it's not modeling. But he's getting a great tone. And it's like, holy crap, that's not but even what would he sound like? But what would he awesome. sound like through a tube amp? Maybe better. Who right. knows? But, what I, but my point is, West my point is, is that everybody, everybody that plays an instrument and plays it well... And I'm not talking about hacks here. I'm talking about good players. And when you talk about a good player, you're not just talking about a guy with a vocabulary or a guy that knows how to phrase. The tone is part of the good player. That's actually the most important part. Probably is the most if important you ask part. Me. Yeah, it is one of the very most important parts. So when you take a player who's really, really good, there's no doubt about that everything that he's doing to make him him is part of his sound. His choice of guitar, his choice of where he sets the tone control, his choice of pedal, his choice of cable, his amp, everything that he does is part of him, and it's part of what he makes people hear through the speaker okay. eventually. Now, when he tries to use an amp modeler, he will never, ever get the same sound that he is trying. He will never find his voice. Not yet. Maybe in 15, 20 years, maybe. Now, no. Huh. You won't I, get it. Well, you I, know, I mean, again. You won't again, get it. I mean, I don't know enough about it. I, you know, I don't, I don't know anything here. <laughs> I mean, I'm just open-minded because of, of all the other shit electronically in my life that has changed. And, and it's not the same, but it's different and it works, right? Uh, I agree to my taste Nothing sounds as good as a record. And I'm not so sure whether it's the way they mastered them back then, you know. Or the EQ curves. Or the EQ, or the <laughs> distortion, or the, just the crap that, you know, the way, how bad my turntable was. It could be less accurate, but it's more pleasing. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, definitely, I'm with you. But, again, I grew up listening to that. That's like being home with mom and dad. Mm -hmm. When my mom and dad were alive. You know what I mean? You're... You're dealing with so much psychic baggage here that I'm willing to say that my opinions are colored by my experience. And while digital may provide a, a spectrum that I'm not used to hearing because I didn't grow up listening to it and I'm not comfortable with it, it may provide all sorts of things 
more accuracy, whatever. I don't even know. You know what I mean? Um, more controllability, different. more uniformness, more consistency, whatever. Um, I know what I like, and I'm not so sure why I like it. I, I'm willing to admit that, like, hey, you know, I probably like analog because I like hearing the sound of drums. You know, and like in the old days on the Blue Note records that I heard, they let the drummers play and you could really hear them. And now they've remastered them for CDs. And I don't, I know that the digital format would allow me to hear the drums better, but the way they mastered them, it's like they turn the drums down and now all of a sudden the bass player is louder than the drummer. Well, no gig I've ever done in my life and no record I ever heard until CDs came out had the bass player louder than the drummer. The bass player's never let in a symphony, it's never that way. In a gig, it's never, you know, and all of a sudden, now they're presenting music to me in a new way, <clears throat> and I'm blaming digital. But you know what not, I'm saying? So for some of that. How does the mix mean, have, have anything to do with the... the, the, the that has well, nothing to do with My it. point is, I'm not so sure where everything is. I do recognize that the mix is complete. I have a record... Free for all, Art Blakey, one of the world's hottest jazz records, maybe hottest any record that ever existed. Wayne Shorter, Freddie Hubbard, it's like unbelievable. It's the kind of shit you put on this CD, I mean the record, and you're like pinned to the wall. It's so amazing, you know. It's like being in the room with it. And then I'm here. I'm telling my students this record is like the burningest record you ever heard. They go, Oh, I got it on CD, and they play it for me. You're not talking MP3. I'm just talking CD, and it's like. What happened? <laughs> you know, it's like, hmm. this used to be a burning record. And I recognize what was happening was, first of all, before we even get into digital versus analog, the remastering of it for that platform has changed right. everything. And it's, and it's an uh, aesthetic from the, from the people who are controlling it. Let me ask you this: Who's remastering what for who? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't think every record that comes out on CD has been remastered for CD. I don't know. That it has. It, it's not. I don't know that that's a fact. I don't know that it's not. But all I know is that the effect is hugely different. And what I notice is it's it's an actual difference in the volume of the instruments. It's a mixed difference. It's not well, a format. I, I can't I, really I, agree I, with I, that. I think but. that. I mean, I'm telling you, in this record, I will play them for you, and you'll no, hear it. I, it, What I would say is it might be a frequency difference, but it's not a mix difference. It's a frequency difference, Well, so that's different. But if mix. you're talking about a record, you're dealing with the, you're dealing with the curves that are applied yeah. to the cartridges and, and everything yeah. else, and, and, and the fact that you can't burn the the, the record too yeah. hot or you'll, you'll right, burn the record. Exactly. But, but you, you know, the, the thing about amplifiers, though, I think is different than, than the music. Okay. Uh, because, and this is something like my, my son talks to me about, because, he, again, he's smarter than I am. I'm, I'm about tubes and listening and knowing what capacitor to change to get you what you want. Right. You know, so, and I've also, the one thing I've learned uh, over the years is what pleases me isn't what's, every, everybody plays different. You know, so I actually think that, that in reality, you need custom guitars, just you also need custom amps. Because I can design an amp that works great for me and because of the way I pick and the way I play, and then Scott or somebody else plays it, and I go, oh, i got to take some bass out, i got to do this, i got to do that. You know, I think amps almost need to be tuned. And I think that's exciting in the modeling world is that you can tune it, but I think the problem is, is that you've got way too much control. And most of the people using this gear aren't going to get a good tone out of it because they don't know where to start. 
And it's so it's just like me having my Bradshaw rack with 20 uh. spaces and I sit on the carpet and I dial everything in and I think it's bitching, right? As soon as the band starts playing, it's fucked. You know, right. everything's wrong. You know, the yeah. mid-range is wrong. Yeah. The effects are wrong. And I got to go tweak it. It's a pain in the ass to go back in and tweak this. They don't, it's not user-friendly yet. Uh. You know, so you can't go back and build a guitar amp. You can go, oh, I need less treble. I need well, less bass. I, I got to say, the Helix is a little bit more user-friendly. Like, like it's laid out in a more intuitive way than, like, say, the Axis. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, you honestly, know, I, I've got one, and, and I've been... I, I, I'm building my analog pedal board right now, but I didn't really want to do it. Mm -hmm. I got the Helix, and I'm like, this would be so easy. And I've also got a Kemper, and right. my son uses the Axe effects. Right. And the Kemper's pretty damn nice, if, especially if you look at it as a tool to get ideas down mm -hmm. with the idea that you might want to go back and retrack later. But if you just want to get things down quick, you got a toaster sitting on top of your desk, and you can play... It's pretty awesome. And if you haven't played through one of those, you should try it. But that's a little different than the modelers. But I sat there, and I just tried to take one of my overdrive pedals, and for the first time, like I tried to play, set up the Helix, and first thing I did is I said, okay, I got my Bella amp, which is, it's like a ultrafonicsy sort of Fender. You know, it's really tuned Fender. It's a beautiful sounding amp. But I'm happy with a Deluxe Reverb too. I can work with that. So, but it's got an effects loop. So I said, okay, I'm going to use the preamp models of the Helix into the power amp of the Bella, right? Into two Bellas. I'm running in stereo because mm -hmm. I'm not playing live and it's just for my, my self-satisfaction anyway. So, but I'm thinking this would be cool to have Marshall tones and Fender tones. I'll be able to switch them on the fly because I loved being able to, on the Bradshaw, I love being able to hit one button and just have everything change. Right. You know, it's kind of, it's it's fun, especially if you're in like a pop rock band sure. that you just need all these different tones. But I sat there and I, I wasn't happy with that. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to use it as a big pedal board. And so I just want to get one overdrive tone out of this in front of, because the bell is kind of a clean amp. I want to get one overdrive tone out of this that I like just as much as my Riot, which isn't that complicated. It's just like a high gain. It makes a Fender sound like a Marshall you know without being brash so i sat there for four hours just turning on the riot it plugged the riot into the helix so i'm still going through the whole the whole helix and the helix is a modeling system. it's a modeling system yeah. so it's okay, digital so i'm just trying to get one pedal to sound like that and i just couldn't do it it sounded thin it just the notes just weren't fat and and I was talking to my son about it, and my son's explanation, I'm sure they can, I'm sure they'll be able to figure it out one day, but with digital recording, it's linear time invariant, right? It doesn't change. It's predictable. You know, you can, you can make a digital delay, and it'll be as accurate as you want it, and you can predict it. They can write algorithms for it. It's easy. But to try and mimic tube distortion, it's... It's, it's like sh trying to hit a moving target. And my son says that it's just, it's a lot more complex to try and model what a tube amp does when it's going into clipping and overdrive and you got to get that output transformer saturation. You're looking for the power tube clipping, but you're looking for some preamp clipping too. You want it to clip evenly and all the way down. And your speaker clipping. And your speaker. And God knows oh, yeah, what's that I know, doing. I know. And that's all, I mean, again, it, we're talking lots of variables. Yeah, and that's kind of why the Kemper is kind of cute because it kind of, it takes all of that in consideration. You can actually model your amp. Right. That's funny. That's the amp that I had the least 
uh, amount of success with. Maybe they've improved it. Well, what I, I did had it at my house for a day. I, I couldn't get one. I didn't. Sound out. I didn't. Well, I didn't use any of the presets. There's a guy named Michael uh -huh. Britt. Uh -huh. And he's a studio guy, and I can't remember the name of his band, but he writes things for it. His, mm -hmm. You can buy his whole pack of amps, mm -hmm. and I just bought his pack and plugged well, it in. Pete went, did a demo of it. It sounds good. Yeah. You know, no, and all these guys are, are, are creating demo. things that, that with a, you know, you can go and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but what I believe is you can go on your phone and download their pack of, settings or whatever they mm -hmm. are for the models with a usb you put it in your amp and all of a sudden you've got brad paisley or yeah. uh or pete thorns or this guy you're talking about his settings for his way of dealing with these modelers so you get those you get these yeah. basic settings you don't have his tone because you're not him right playing. right but you if you played like him you would have his tones exactly but but, but, but again i'm just saying is that not Big news? No, is that not no. Big well, I, I think I think it's, it's, it's to, to me to me to me and and again and we're all guys. Well, exactly. So, you know, I, I, was, I was just going to preface I mean, that. You know, but I mean, it, look, I played guitar, and mm -hmm. you know, I, I've dedicated myself to playing guitar my whole life, and I know I'll die, but you know, it doesn't die with me. I have a lot of students, and I'm leaving music and this sort of thing, yeah. and I care about the music going forward and i think about it all the time and my students i deal with them trying to prepare them for years you beyond know, my existence i think it's going to cycle back because okay. when i was a kid i played a lot of solid state amps for for rock uh -huh. you know i played i used to play a pig nose cross mix which was actually a kind of a fun sounding little solid state amp it was like a combo 112. I used to use this Randall amp, which was a half, was a hybrid. Well, right, the old, those the old, the, or, those? yeah, their music mans were hybrids. You know, they're um, actually they're, my Pro Reverb has a solid state rectifier. Well, that's really nothing to do with it. Oh, but it's got <laughs> something has a solid, solid state, state rectified, doesn't it? it yeah. That that's just power, and it's yeah. it's really it's it's really neither here or there. Okay, but, but it's still got something solid state in it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but well, the, the Plexi Marshalls use use rectifiers too, uh -huh. but um, solid state rectifiers. But the I think I think it's going to cycle back because I don't think it's I think it's. I get in arguments all all day long with these people. Cycle back to amps. Yeah, I think yeah. it's going to cycle back. I just think it's going to cycle back to smaller amps. Mm -hmm. I think guys are going to be using more too, 20, 30 watt yeah. amps instead of 100 watt amps. Uh, you know, since 2007, I was just looking the other day. Since 2007, because the amp market is soft, but it's soft across the board because most people are most young kids are not bothering with amps. They're getting they're buying 10 guitars and they're using like you know bias or some or they're using the kemper or they're using fractal. you know yeah they're using fractal and that kind of stuff amp market has gone down 40 percent since 2007 wow. but but oh, the guitar but but high-end guitars are steady and climbing cheap guitars are down wow that's really interesting but it's, check this out though check this out i could bet you any amount of money that the market that percentage are kids Oh yeah, for it's sure. Not, it's down. not adults. No, that are not this is this is the problem. That are not you, buying amps you, anymore. It's kids. You think of, you think about amps. when we grew up. What what was there to do in your day? I mean, what what, if, what, what was there to do when you were what? in your day? You know, what did you oh, have for entertainment? Day. When you were nineteen, twenty, what did you do for entertainment? 
Oh, I, I can't say it on this podcast. <laughs> okay, but, but, but one of them was guitar. Okay, well, you know, but I'm just there. There, you didn't have the distractions. You didn't have the internet. You didn't have but, porn on the internet. You didn't have um, gaming. You didn't have the gaming. I mean, to and where I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey in the country, um, you had motorcycles. You had um, music. music and you had chasing girls. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of it, yeah. right? Or, or smoking weed and drinking, right? What, you know, what, what you else? had to do with chasing girls, so. Yeah, well, you know, there, you didn't have the distractions. And nowadays, it's like, I don't think, uh, and Fender, I think, is really concerned with this because they deal a lot of low-end product, and that market has fallen out because you just don't have kids wanting to play anymore. It's, and it's, uh, you would say probably a lot of the kids coming up, and I, I, I know high-profile players, young players, that have never even plugged into an amp. Yeah, they're plugged. They're plugged into their well, Mac Pro know, at home, or they. You know, yeah. when, the, the, when you think about professionals, though, let's just yeah. Talk for no, a I'm talking professional just, guys. Just for a second, we're talking about amp modelers. Let's talk about professionals. Yeah, these okay. are young. Do you kids. know any professionals? And I mean by professionals, I mean. Guys, I'm not talking about the guys on the pop gig with Katy Perry. No, I'm talking years. about young I'm guys. I'm talking about like a young guy who really has like a star, you yeah. know, like a Stevie Ray or somebody that's like really, really is it known as a guy <laughs> who not only is a great player, well, but has great tone. Do you know any I, one of those guys that uses an amp modeler? Yeah, yeah. I, I do, but yes. I can't say they prefer it. I mean, oh, e even Pete Thorne. Pete Thorne will use amp modelers oh, left and right. I mean, he right. did he did something for us. Him and Steve Stevens did this shred video, and they were both playing through a Kemper because mainly they Steve's got his endorsement and Pete's got his endorsement, mm -hmm. and you know they didn't want to collide. You know, I couldn't exactly ask Stevens to use my amp, and uh, you know what I mean. So they said, "Oh, we'll just use Kempers." So that way we're talking about the guitar. You know, we're playing for the guitar. And it sounds great. But, and, and if I was, you know what, let's, let's truthfully, I mean, we all know that live, the audience is never going to know what the hell you're playing through. But you know. And if you know, you play differently. And I think it's the way that it's your interaction with your amplifier or what you're, the feedback you're getting from the speaker, the amp, everything else makes you play different. Yeah. And so I can listen to Pete play, and, and he can, to me, it's like he's bullying his way through it. You know, he's a good enough player that he can ignore the feedback that he's getting from the amp, and he can just play. I can't do that. It's like I, I need to have, I need to enjoy what I'm hearing to, to play. You know, it's, it's... I can't either, but you know what? Pete plays a different kind of music. Yeah. It's like a... You know, and I'm not putting Pete down at all because Pete's a great player. And, and, and you know, you... and Pete might say something different. Well, Pete, Pete's told me that, look, if I have my choice, I'm going to play through the tube amp. But if he's, but he does do the pop gigs where he's only got inner ears and he has to go DI straight to the house. Sure. So he's in those situations. So he's got multiple rigs for different situations. Right. But if, if he has his preference, he plays through the tube amp. Right. It's, of course. It's always his preference. And, uh, but, but what, are you, what are your thoughts about um like the amps and then using the irs with the, the well, speaker the other funny thing i was going to say before we get to that though is that i think the reason a lot of people like modelers is because there are modelers that have pretty good sounds in them and there's a lot of shitty tube amps so yeah. if you don't know if you're not playing through a good tube amp yeah the modeler's gonna sound better yeah well that's what i said on my message board when somebody said 
one of, we were having a discussion about it and I was sort of saying, modelers, I'm not saying anything against modelers because you could, a guy with good ears and good hands could easily get a good tone from a modeler and I would not be able to tell if it's a real amp or not. There's no way I could tell. But if you played it. If I played it, I'd be able to tell right. because I know the difference. But my point was, is that there's so many bad sounds from amps out right. there. Right, exactly. <laughs> to say that you couldn't get a better sound from a good modeler than well, a really and, and shitty back, tube back amp. Back to kind of know, what so. my original point was. <laughs> you know. I mean, it wasn't a point. It was part of the question. Yeah. Which is just, there's so many moving variables here. Yeah, and I think you can get in trouble too. It's like, you know, I think one of the beauties about an amp in the old days is like Clapton could just go plug into a Marshall and there's not too much you can do to screw it up really? but with a modeler yeah you can get yourself in deep shit it's it's like having a it's like giving a guitar player a parametric eq and he doesn't know what he's doing mm -hmm. but that's it's, a big part of it is when you take an amp it's just a great amp and that's another thing i point i made on my message board great amp is not the same thing as saying an amp right because just because it's a tube amp doesn't mean it's it, good. Yeah, that's right. Doesn't mean it's good. So there's some amps that you can just plug into and you just can't do wrong. Yeah. No matter what you do, it sounds good. There's no frequencies that fuck with your head and make you go ow and that sounds horrible. It's just no matter what you do, it sounds great. You can turn the bass all the way down and you can turn it all the way up. There's no way you can fuck it up because it just sounds great, right. you know? And those are the amps that I sort of like am standing, making a stand for. Those wonderful pieces of gear that you go, there's no fucking way an amp modeler is going to sound as good as one of those great amps. Now, will it sound as good as uh, a Roland Jazz Chorus? <laughs> yeah, well, probably no, you know, will. Or, or, <laughs> I used to play one of those. <laughs> I've had to play them before. Well, actually, fun, funny <laughs> enough, there's one good tone them. But, but you know, I mean, again, I'm just, I don't know. I think it's going to cycle back, but I th I think that I mean if you're telling me what do you tell your students to to get? No, no, no. I'm just I'm just I'm a, it's it's a mere open ended question. I have no dog in the well, fight. Well, it's I have I a dog in the fight. Yeah, the, you do. It, but. Well, it's hard for me to get into the arguments online with the gear page guys because they're like you know you've got a dog in this fight. I mean, it's really I hate going to the gear page because I really can't speak my mind because I'm I'm me. And yeah. and they don't allow you to hide, and it's not like it's not like I want to be there. I don't want to hide to pimp my gear, but I would like to hide so I can just have my own opinion without people saying, "Well, oh, because you're trying to sell yeah, something." Yeah, yeah because, because you're, you're trying, trying to sell, sell something. something. It, they don't yeah. understand that I'm I'm just as much of a geek as they are, and I'm and I'm very close to what those guys are doing because they're seeking to improve their playing through their gear, which is what I. It's the reason I do what I do because right. because I always blamed my gear, but luckily I found. I found something that was equally as satisfying as playing. I mean, for, for me to make gear and, and hear it and know that that's my gear someone's making that music with is, is kind of equally as satisfying to oh, it's me. It's got to be. It's got to yeah. be amazingly yeah. gratifying. Come but, on. You know, you know I'm going to just put myself as an example, as someone who's been very fair when it comes to vintage and modern. Because people know me and they know from my message board in this show that I don't hold back. I say what's on my mind. You know, and I don't take it it I don't take vintage's side just so I can say I'm a vintage guy because I'm the guy I'm here talking about how great IRs are. And that's electronic gadgetry. 
But yeah. yet, I will be the first one to say that that fucking Celestian IR, the one that I've been harping about, the yeah. balance yeah. Celestian Greenback, sounds as good as my fucking cabinet, and I can hardly tell the difference. And I well, that's and nobody else see, can. And, but that's because IRs are linear and time invariant, which again is I give my son credit for teaching me that. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, it's predictable. Like when he did, um, he's he built a box which is an analog cabinet emulator. Mm -hmm. So he basically he's into the analog world. So like the thing, everything he's working on right now is analog but digital control, and that's what he's into. And we got some new products coming out too that are great on that basis. But so he built a um, he built the Ace. It's an analog cabinet emulator, which has got some controls on it that lets you tweak it. You know more than most DI boxes that have a fixed curve on it. Mm -hmm. It really is just a complex EQ curve, after all. But you can't you can't get brick wall filtering on. on on, well, actually, you can. You know, match EQ, you can get pretty damn close. Mm -hmm. right. But but um, it's it's predictable. So you can the IRs you can make work. So when he built this box, he actually figured out a way to draw the schematic and spit out IRs. And so we, he would send those IRs to like Pete Thorne, and Pete would go, Ah, it's still not as good as my my um, you know as Own my hammer my 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 because Kevin was doing an IR of his analog filter. Mm -hmm. He wasn't doing an IR of a cabinet mic. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, chain right. so he was just doing an ir of the filter so you can actually do irs of filters so he built actually 20 of these boxes and then finally pete goes well that's really close and then pete came down and they sat there and they tweaked everything in the eq and logic and they nailed pretty much pete goes well, this this i could live with this is a great tone and then kevin takes that curve and reproduces it using spice and other modeling software and so he only had to build one box I mean, that's pretty cool. You know, he eliminated the time of building 30 physical samples right. using IRs. So, but IRs, they're predictable. But the, my point was, even though it's predictable, it's still gadgetry. I'm doing my thing, gadgetry thing. Because it's not quoting, a real speaker. Quoting. It's not a it's not a real speaker. It's not a real cabinet made out of wood. It's gadgetry right. in your computer. And here I am going... It sounds great. Well, you're capturing and, something and that was. So if you take maybe, away the yeah. tube amps, mm -hmm. what are you going to copy? So and I think it almost it would almost take a total shift in, in what people want to hear. Or it's going to take somebody to come out there that gets a tone that people go, holy shit, here's, that guy's another Eddie Van Halen. He's another Landau. But he's playing through a modeler, and you're right. Yeah. I haven't heard that I yet. I haven't heard that yet. But, but I'm going to say but that I mean, if I do hear it, I'll be the first one to go, holy shit, I'm going to sell my uh, amp. those amp, amp modeler model. guys doing the exact same thing with the amps that the IR guys are doing with speakers? Not really, because no. they're predictable. They're, 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 they're linear time invariant. They don't change. I mean, they're predictable. You know what it's going to do. You know, you're really just asking for a reproduction. It's like a digital camera. Right. You know, it's just a matter of getting it down to the resolution where you can't right, tell it's digitized. Right, but let's say you've got this amp and you, and you model it throughout its entire spectrum of varying the knobs, right? This is what it's like at one. This is what it's like at two. Well, that's what they've been trying to do. If you do that, isn't that the same thing? Because they're trying to do it electronically. It's not a sample. It, it, so I'm trying think, to do it with electronics, not a sample. The, the IR technology is the same technology where they go over to Europe and they 
take a sample right, of a right. church so, reverb right. and they so, use that reverb. It's like, like a sample. Yeah, a mirror image. Of yeah, it, it's it a is. sample. Right. Well, that's not yeah. what they're doing with that. And you're saying that could never be done? No, I think it can be done. Maybe it can be. It can uh. be done, but, but I think you're going to have to throw a lot more engineer brain power at it. Okay. And, and DSP and all this shit i mean you have to basically go back and get your masters it's not easy shit no 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 it, believe me all we're no, saying I, is they haven't done it yet yeah okay, it yeah, doesn't mean but, and, and i and, and really, i don't think i don't think the incentive is like there I, I feel like i'm becoming like some sort of advocate for it which no no but it's no, like just, the real I'm trying to answer your question it. i'm just saying i if if i if they did it you know i my back is hurts from carrying around a marshall and a 412 if somebody made an amp, a modeler that it was this big, and I could carry it around instead of my fucking amp and four by twelve, I'll be the first one to do it because my fucking back is killing right. me. Right? No, and, and, you know, they and, just and haven't done me, it yet. I, you know, like granted, I play soft. I want the acousticity of the instrument to come through. You know, so I, my my need for tubes is not as big as somebody who's pushing them to the edge of distortion. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is, is your son here? Uh, um, actually, he's you know Marco Meneman. Yeah, he's actually eating something with Marco. I don't. He, he said, "Do you still want me to come down?" But I told him, oh. "Well, let me know when you're." I don't know. We probably yeah. won't go that much yeah. longer. But, but, but anyway, you but know, I was just I was just gonna say this is kind of funny because this this is a guitar player. I don't want to say who he is because I mean. I don't even know if you guys know who he is, but he's one of my favorite all-time guitar players. He's not hugely known, but he's a ridiculous slide player. Don't say who he is, but you know if, just by that because you like to slide playing. But don't say. Oh, it. I know who he is. Yeah. yeah. So oh, I, okay. I, I asked, I asked him this question. I said, you know, I said I'm, I'm just arguing with people on the internet about modelers, and I, I said. You know, I was just asking, what, what do you think? Do you, do you use modelers at all? And this guy's, this guy's a guy who gets. He he gets a total myriad of tones. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard him play the same tone. He, he's great at playing fuzzes, clean amps. Doesn't matter. He goes. I said, "What do you think about it?" And he goes, "They aren't the same. They can't be the same. They don't feel the same. They're a model, quote unquote, not the real thing, and therefore can't be the real thing. Nothing beats the real thing." Okay, in a pinch, when you're tight on time or in a tight budget with studio time, but. He goes. It'll always be eating ca like eating candy with a wrapper on, or showering with a raincoat. I mean, or fucking with the rubber. Yeah, well, I'm sure that's what he meant. But you know, it's. I think you know the problem is is it's an imitation of of something else. So how can it ever be? It's like having a real doll or the real woman. Well, I mean, it's like having someone copy Hendrix. Like, yeah, and and and, and that's that's exactly same. it. As long as as long as we're listening to, it's like when people tell me, "Why don't you make an original guitar?" And I said, because you won't buy it. That's why. You know, name me one company who does original shapes who has stayed in business without changing ownership two or three times. Can I make it funny? Yeah. Parker Fly? How many times have they... <laughs> They're yeah. such a horrible... I'm sorry. I'm yeah, I know, but, e but even if... Even if <laughs> it's I, horrible. But, but Parker is a smart guy, but that company... <laughs> That company's been through like three ownerships or something. Yeah. I mean, Washburn was making the Parkers. Yeah. I was just going to say when you mentioned BC Rich, the only thing I like about BC Rich guitars are the models at <laughs> the NAMM show. That's the only thing they ever did right. They hired a bunch of knockout models. But I, I, think, I think the music has to change for the gear to change. That's a good uh, point. I, I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Really I mean again, and again, 
I feel like an outsider talking to insiders. You know, I don't even relate in many ways to what you what just, all you guys. Well, do. I'm 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 totally biased, but and because you know what, but I'm really not that biased because if I couldn't make amplifiers. In reality, it's the guitars are my market. It's not. Right. It's you know amplifiers. I do amplifiers because I love doing it. And and funny enough, a lot of guys. This is another interesting thing. I don't know if you ever noticed, but a lot of guys using modelers are still using analog pedals. Like they'll take a Helix. Like even Pete Thorne, he's got he's got drive pedals. He puts in the loops of the Helix. So he doesn't necessarily yeah. use the pedals in you, there. You know what? I, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. I hope I don't get this guy in trouble. And who cares if I do? Because he owes me lunch, so fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Sean, yeah. our, our buddy Sean. You know, Sean used to work for Line 6, you know, back in the day, maybe a year ago. And he brought the Helix over to my house. And we were going to really just try to make it sound like, like John's amp. You know, we kept going back and forth. No... No, no, no. We, of course, it couldn't even come close. So Sean said, why don't we try plugging your SD9 into the Helix? And all of a sudden, boom, big difference. It still didn't sound as good as the amp, but plugging that analog pedal into the Helix made a big, big difference and made it sound a lot closer the, to the That was my thing. experience when I was trying to get the Riot because I was thinking, well, gee, maybe it's the whole Helix signal path I don't like. And I'm not trying to go direct. Mm -hmm. I was just going into the front of amps. Yeah. And But but you know what? I turned on the Riot in front of the Helix and just put on a little delay and reverb, and I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I could play this. Yeah. That's, that's fine. makes it a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. But I just don't think, I don't think they have the distortion down on the modeling and i think that's going to be the biggest hurdle is to get that warmth and just the tubes cooking. Are, but are we talking about like just that little edge of it that warmth thing or the real to me it's like a body it's like uh, you know no, when you I when know. you play I through mean, a tube I mean, amp it's it here sound like air moving you know what i mean like you know when you oh, play I, a speaker I know, but I mean, even if you're like using it into moving. a tube but amp. I mean, yeah but i mean i've used solid state amps where i felt that but you're still moving air because the speaker's right, moving right, air. Right, 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 right. You know, but I'm moving like air. You, I'm, I'm just trying to use it as a pedal board. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, I we were talking right. about that. I mean, right. it's like, and of course, I've played tube amps where they, you say they did, they didn't, or or in, in a in an acoustic situation where the the spread of the sound was dispersed to the point where you couldn't get that that beautiful beanbag pillow around you while you're playing you know what i mean you get outside and all of a sudden the focus of the amp is lost and it, so all you're getting is like the the thinness of it you know because the dispersed but that's all that stuff just kind of sounds thin to me on the on the single strings right well you know you know and so like but then the solid state amp focuses the tone you know i mean in, in a horrible acoustic situation it's almost a more friendly usable thing and, and i'm talking only my experience in, right. the, in the world that i play in uh i i can think of numerous times where my beautiful fender amp didn't serve me as well as some other amps have has it been serviced well as best i can i believe so i have a good guy who works on it do you do you do things like uh Clean the sockets, uh, clean the pots. Uh, oh, I bring. I, it gets service probably more than the average tube amp does. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, and I got a good take. Well, what I, who I believe is a very well, good. Well, don't technique. don't don't think that modeling in solid state is I'm infallible. Not, I mean, that I'm stuff not, breaks too. I'm not too. talking about modeling because okay. I don't have any modeling. Yet, so. But even solid state breaks. Of course it does. And when it breaks, you're fucked. Just like tube. <laughs> no, no tube. You can take it to just about anybody who's got half a brain. They can. Oh, fix oh, it. oh, I get it. Okay, no, but when you're on the gig. Well, yeah. you, well, if you bring a spare set of tubes, you can plug in another tube. If your solid state amp goes down, you're screwed. Uh, okay, but you're talking to me. Which tube? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you I, know what? It would I take me a half an hour I, to tell you. I, I carry I mean, to a teach spare you. set of right. uh, tubes on the road. No, I carry... And I can name three times where, uh, where those tubes saved me. Where the amp, a tube went out, and I, and I would... Uh, not know from looking at them which tube went out. I try tapping them, I can't tell. But when I just take all four tubes out and put four new tubes back in, the amp works like a charm for the rest of the tour. And so carrying a set of extra tubes has helped me on three different occasions, okay. saved my life. And I carry you know I mean? so, an, a backup so, uh, head. <clears throat> yeah, well, you can't beat a backup head. You just fucking no, it's it a on. solid state. It's a solid state head, <laughs> yeah. and I go through, and it at least gets me through the gig. I mean, most of the time I play. There's a guitar player there who's got a guitar guitar amp yeah, in thank his truck. Yeah. You know, you when know, I, I mean, rent amps, I always rent two because yeah, you never does. know what you're going to get, no, and you never know if it's going to blow don't, up. Don't, you don't, get, don't get me wrong. Then, I mean, there you go. These days, I'm everything's the first put together guy with connectors. Huh? Yeah, to tell you that. Yeah, that the, I'm always happy when I've got a great two band, and I'm always that's that to me is the best sound. But I also realize. Who I am, the age I am, what I'm used to yeah, hearing. Yeah, they're heavy. And and no, no, and just just that, that just the familiarity of that sound yeah. makes me comfortable. Yeah. You know, it's oh. like being with my my old slippers. This is I know what this is. This is who I am. And and but I've had very good uh, experiences with some solid state things lately, and very grateful for the stability of it and the durability of it and the of course of it and and I'm very interested in the modeling thing just because it seems like I man who'd ever thought I'd have a car that I could talk on the phone by pushing on the button and I know. tell me when I need an oil change I, I think you know? I think modeling is like the electric car right now I mean but Bruce but if you have a model no, no, I'm, just, I'm asking if, if, you have a a, guy, if you have an amp modeler and you're using it on a gig yeah you're you're talking about um, let me think about this for a second. But I don't even. But you guys don't have to think it. I'll break it all down for all you motherfuckers. I'll hold it. I'll break it down for all you motherfuckers. Thank you. If we have one of John's amps here, and we have a Kempler, a Fracture, or any of those amp modelers there, and we play one amp, and then we play the modeler, the amp's gonna blow it away. Like end of story. It's 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 not even like so. So who cares? It's all about functionality. Let me ask you a question. No, but I'm not asking that question. Amp modelers have. Power? Are they not with? They, you have to power. Them. Well, some some of them come with power, like the Kemper. You can buy with a power. It can have a power amp in it, or oh. you or you can you can use a separate power. What about the? Uh, Wait, see here. What here, about the fractal? Do they have power? No, but so you, you get a power amp. amp. Yeah, you have to get a power. Yeah, amp. yeah and and nice. if you plug a if you plug a fractal into a tube power amp, uh -huh. then you're 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 getting way closer. Yeah. Because I would think so. you know what happens with a tube power amp and and this is something that's kind of really interesting but 
and they deal with this in the hi-fi world too, is that speakers have an impedance curve. And like, that's what my reactive load's about. It makes your right. amp think it's seeing a speaker. Right. Solid state amp doesn't really give a shit. But a tube power amp, the tubes are loaded by, you got a transformer in between your power tubes and your speaker. And your speaker has an impedance curve. It's got a resonance. It's like it's got a resonant at about 75 hertz or whatever your speaker is. And the cabinet is going to influence that as well. And then it drops down to 8 ohms. And then it goes way back up to 40 or 50 ohms at higher frequencies. So it's kind of like the power tubes are being unloaded at that 75 hertz. And they're like going downhill like in a car. And they're like, yeah. And then when you get down to the 8 ohms, then it's like, oh, wait a minute. And then the mids are, you know, slowed down. Then your high end comes back. So that the impedance curve of the speaker reacts with the power tubes and gives you this kind of like this whole push-pull thing that gives and takes that a solid-state power amp doesn't do. So the best thing you can do is try and EQ a solid-state power amp to sound like a tube power amp, but I don't think you're ever going to get it to feel that way unless you put a transformer in between and now you've got the weight back. You know, so you've got this... I don't know. And maybe the modeling world makes more sense than solid state to me because solid state, you've got that roadblock there. Whereas the modeling world, you can mimic what's going on, but you can't really mimic it in just pure solid state amps. But, you know, solid state, if you're just looking for a reproduction of, of, of what you're doing anyway, I think solid state can work great. I mean, I've used it too, but if you're looking at what I was talking about before is to me, Amps like a cranked Marshall are part of the sound. Like you're, it's not just the guitar and the player, but it's also the amp and the speakers are, are the other part of the sound. And that's, sure. you know, and but I think that that if you're just looking for reproduction and volume, and then I think solid state can work. But well, for, but to the me, guys like Troy's the amp's an effect. To yeah. me, right, right. But the guys like Troy's talking about, like the guys like say in Katy, Katy Perry's band. I can totally see the validity of what they're doing because if they if you want a clean stage and you don't want amps in the way and you want that look and everything amp modelers and in-ears well hey, it's, I, I don't think it's got I mean, anything to do with that i think every guitar player wants an amp but like what bruce is saying but saying i talked that's to part of the show is yeah it? I well, mean, it's part of the clean look of the show there's no amps, it's all about no, budget budget you know, and budget and oh, yeah that's true there's and a no lot of guys in nashville around, that right. i'm hearing that a lot of guys yeah. in nashville now are using inner years and the kemplers because yeah. it's just easy. And is it Kemper? Isn't it? Is it Kemper yeah, or Kemper? I don't even know what it is. Kemper, Kemper's, but, but yeah, but yeah. I think that's that's more of the deal. But at the end of the day, I think probably 95% of guitar players always want to use an amp, but it comes down to budget, traveling, yeah. ease. And, and home recording, too. Home that's, recording. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like that's the beauty about IRs is that. You know, you don't need to kill your neighbors. To- are you are you selling more heads than combos? Are you finding a change in that at all? Um, I like heads better, right? Because you can dial in the cabinet to be better, and you're not rattling the tubes directly, right? Um, so you get longer life when you don't. Is your amp a combo? Yeah. 
See, that's the worst thing for the tubes. <laughs> I mean, I make combos and they're great. No, I think the worst thing for tubes is it lives in my trunk. Well, yeah, that too. I mean, a <laughs> you, you know, yeah, like I'm sure that's worse for them than the well, you know, speaker. If, if, you, if you took your songs, even though I play that many games, if you if you lived in Santa Monica or you're at the beach and you kept your solid state amp in your trunk, it would fail just as quickly as your tube amp because those parts corrode. It's still connectors and metal that just corrodes so well the re the reason i asked you, you um, should keep your amp where you want to be just like your guitar like I, people go where do i put my guitar if you're comfortable it's comfortable it's the same thing with amps and electronics it's like if you had would you take a you know would you leave your mixing console in your trunk i know bruce would probably leave his wife in the trunk <laughs> uh, oh shit i forgot the pammy pammy with it now i, I got a question um Question: What's what's better ohm wise for speakers? Is eight ohms better? Sixteen oh, four? What's... You've been talking to Scott. I have for, yeah. for a year and a yeah. bit now, and it's... I'm an eight ohm guy. Well, you know, I think I think it's a real hard thing to nail down, and I think Scott, if, and I've talked to this my Celestian rep about this too. Right. It's it's a hard thing to nail down because uh, taps on transformers can sound different. Okay. But also speakers can sound different. I mean, speaker has just got a, uh, it's got, you know, coil. It's like a pickup almost. It's got coil wrapped around. That's difference between 8 and 16 ohm or 4 ohm. So, I mean, I don't know if Scott has an opinion on this, but I've always been curious because I know Scott likes 8 ohms. But now, do you like an 8 ohm speaker or an 8 ohm transformer tap? Or Like, in other words, if you took two 16 ohm speakers... <laughs> Does that sound different to you than two four-ohm speakers? If you wire two four-ohm speakers in series, you're going to get eight ohms. And if you wire two 16s in parallel, you're going to get eight well, ohms. Well, here's, here's my experience, and I'll just tell you what, I've, what my ears hear. I have a 16-ohm cabinet, okay? Um, it, the, the reason it's 16 ohms is because I didn't have a choice, because I bought vintage speakers. So you got 16-ohm speakers. They only come in 16-ohm. Right. So you can only buy them. I have a 71 greenback and a 70 greenback mm -hmm. and a 69 greenback and a 68 greenback. And they're all in the same cabinet and they're all 16-ohm. So the cabinet is a 16-ohm cabinet, right? So what I do is I listen to the, I listen to the, I put the tap on the amp at 16-ohms and I listen to the cabinet running at 16-ohms and I mic it and I play a bunch of shit through it and I listen to what it sounds like. Then I take the 16 ohm load that you built for me. Remember, you you, you converted an 8 ohm load to a 16 ohm load. Yeah. And I plug that Don't in. Don't tell anyone I did that for you. Oh. <laughs> I just did. I just told all our listeners. <laughs> so so anyway, so I take that 16 ohm load and I pair it with the 16 ohm cabinet and run the amp at 8 ohms. And I like it much, much better. Okay, so then for you, it's probably the 8-ohm tap on the transformer yes, that you like. That's what I like. But, you know, my point is that sometimes you don't really know. Are you listening? It, like, what's the, there is a tone difference in between a 16-ohm speaker and an 8-ohm speaker. I've heard that, but <laughs> so, I've never had the experience of comparing yeah. them. But all I know is that if you look at any recording picture from Jimi Hendrix's day or Led Zeppelin or Deep Purple, those guys were using both their Marshall cabinets in the studio and they were only miking the top speaker of the bottom cabinet, but both cabinets were on 
and fully functional. Well, that so could be because eight, they would blow it up otherwise. Well, right. They, they, they probably would. But all, all I'm saying is all those great tones that we've been listening to for years from those vintage guys are all 8-ohm tones because the amp was running at 8 ohms as it was intended to because they had both speaker cabinets going at the same time. Now, I, do, I do remember Steve Stevens liking 16 ohms. Um, the metal guys... Right. Like 16 It's ohms. fizzier, probably. What about 4 no, ohms? No, Does 4 ohms get a deal or not? It's smoother huh? and thinner. 4 ohms? Like, I got this matchless cabinet. It's 4, four ohms. ohms. fuzzier. What's, what's the deal with 4 ohms? Is can, that... I, can I tell you how it goes? I'll defer to Scott. I'm telling you. I'm telling you because <laughs> yeah, I'm but no, I, I hear you every week. I no, want to hear John because okay, I never hear him. I, I don't really have a huge opinion because there's other things that can happen here too. Is that <laughs> so? Well, well, you've got <laughs> you have to listen to me now. Well, you've got feedback too, and and different amps are wired differently. Some amps will take the feedback tap and put it directly on one of the taps. Right. But old Marshalls, most of the old Marshalls didn't. It just they put it on the jack. So. The feedback would be wherever you change your impedance selector, the feedback would change as well. Wow. So there's there's other things in play. Um, I I tend to like to put it. Um, well, it depends. You know, you know what my experience, Troy. Let me tell you what okay. I just found out. All this right, is, let's give it to Scott. I don't know if, if any of you guys want to speak, say that in English. I'd appreciate it. Check it out: four ohms, eight ohms, sixteen ohms. You've got two things going on: a fizziness versus smoothness. Right. Right. Smooth or fizzy. Right. And then you've got a big note versus a thin note. Mm -hmm. Okay. The way it works that I've, and it seems to be with every amp I've tried and every whatever, it seems to be that four ohms gives you the biggest possible note, but also the fizziest. 16 ohms gives you the smallest, thinnest note, but it's really smooth sounding. Very smooth, but thin. Right. And eight ohms is the happy medium where you've got pretty smooth sound and a nice big note. And that's that's why I like. Would eight. would that mean that then be the cleaner happy. tones would be better through the four ohms? Maybe I don't know really because okay. I haven't really experimented. But I know that most amp manufacturers, if they make a combo, they put an eight ohm speaker in yeah, it and run, right. run the amp. I, who doesn't yeah. do that? I mean, who makes a combo with a sixteen ohm speaker running the amp running sixteen ohms? Not I mean I don't know anybody that does that. Isn't it Vox? It's. What's that? Does somebody? I, I thought I don't maybe Vox. I don't. I don't really know, but it seems like all the there, Fender there are combos some, are are all eight ohm. There, amps, are, there are some amps that are sixteen ohms, but I think they're more vintage stuff. All right, I yeah. I got questions. Anyway, who knows? Quest, questions for John. I have a question for him too. I, I got a that, question. What's that gold box? If it's not a Variac. This this one. The do you know the brown box? Uh -uh. I tried to explain this. You're no uh, good unless you have one. That's yeah, all there is I tried to explain. A guy from Nashville. Um, can't think of his name. He, he built it, but you'd have to go to, go to the website because I'm just going to fuck it up again. But it's I bought the box, and it basically runs it runs the amp at the correct power it should be run at. Is it auto switching? Yeah. Well, no, you switch the switch, and you can you kind of down it like a. a so thing. it's a variac. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a variac. But it's a variac that can't fuck up your amp if you turn it up to 220 and blow yourself. Well, you can't do that with variac anyway. You can't. No. How how high do they you, go? You can go maybe 10 percent higher. Oh. Well, the reason Troy said is because apparently in Nashville, Nashville is giving people 135-something volts, and it's blowing everybody's shit up. So, so why is that? It down. So why not just get a Variac? Well, this guy built this um, to protect 
vintage amps and tubes and stuff like that and make sure and you could also download the 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 wattage i think it's a lot cheaper than a variac how much is it how much um, is it? Hundred bucks. I think I, you know what I don't. I think I made. How much is a very Hundred bucks. It is. Yeah. I more yeah this is a little bit more. Uh, but you can plug a bunch of amps into it and your pedal board China. and all this kind of shit. Oh. Well, I have a um, question for. Oh, I'm, I didn't I'm get sorry. my question. Oh. Okay, sorry. All right, my question is: All right, give me um, five. Give me five top moments in your life where you just had. I can't believe this is happening. Like, where you just, like, I might have been working with Knopfler or Bradshaw. Do you have any moments where you just, like, fuck, I can't believe good, this good is Good and bad? He always good and bad, good and bad, good and bad, good and bad. I'd say uh, standing next to Van Halen while he's tracking has right. got to be one. Yep. Um, uh, this is a funny one. Um just, just because uh, when I was a kid, I I had long hair and curly hair, and I and I looked a lot like Frampton, and and so I <laughs> I kind of idolized, you know, I loved I loved Frampton and his whole thing back in the day, but this was just a funny one because um, my second date with no my first date with my wife, um, I said it was really awkward because Peter. Because I Frampton was a customer, but I, this was just kind of one of those things I'll never forget. Uh, so he and and Peter, forgive me if I if I say anything you don't like. But um, he called and he says, hey, "Can I just talk to you for a minute about my guitar?" And he goes, "I'm I'm gonna." And I said, "Well, I've got, I've I've got a date." And this woman turned me down like four times. So this is the first time she said yes. So I really need to go on this date. And I said, we're going to have a drink. I said, if you if it's just a minute, you know, why don't you just come to the bar around the corner? We're going to meet at the sushi place. And he goes, okay, no problem. So he comes in the door and she's Colombian. And, and I don't know if she knows who the hell Peter Frampton is. And, <laughs> and, and, and he... And, and and so uh, you know, I just didn't, I didn't want to say Alda. This is Peter Frampton. Her name's Alda, and so I just said, you know, this is Peter. And you know, he's like, oh hi, how you doing? You know, and then we talked for a minute, and I went back to my date, and I said, you know who that was? And she goes, no. I said it was Peter Frampton. You ever heard of him? And she goes, that wasn't Peter Frampton. I said, yeah, it is. And she goes, no, he's a lot taller and he has a lot more hair. <laughs> But anyway, uh, I'd say probably say that was just one thing that I'll never forget that. But um, so you said five. Yeah, give me five. Give uh, me. You don't have to go. No, up to five. I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll try. I've definitely got a lot of funny ones. But um, oh, you bastard, McCubbin! Stopping it there when he still had. Really cool stuff to say. <laughs> uh, you're going to have to tune in next week uh, or whenever. This will probably go up again next week. Maybe. We'll see. But anyway, tune in uh, for the rest of John's story. And he eventually gets to the amps and the guitars and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, where he's at now. But uh, massive thanks to John and his missus, Mrs. Sir. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys all next week. Mr. Chris Cornell, we salute you, sir. Thank you for all that you gave us. Uh, big fan and just so sad. So, so sad. So be good to each other out there and uh, keep guitar wanking. Spread the word. 
and uh, let's build the community as Mr. Bruce Foreman would encourage and continues to encourage. Thank you all. Go to the website, donate, send us emails, whatever you need to do to help and support. We really appreciate it. Until next week, have a fantastic, safe, very safe week.